when we started it out, we never thought of ourselves as a celebrity brand. Period. The end. Hello and welcome to Shopify Masters, the podcast powered by Shopify, your companion for starting and building a business. I'm your host, Shwang Esther Shan. If you're a huge makeup lover like me, you might have noticed there's lots more entrepreneurs launching brands within the beauty industry. With so many new launches, it also means more competition. And it's rare for a brand to stand out, even if it's attached to a celebrity founder. Which is why so many are wondering how Rare Beauty by Selena Gomez was the exception. From being raved by the media to going viral on TikTok and selling out at Sephora. Today, our guest is Katie Welsh, the Chief Marketing Officer at Rare Beauty, and we are going to chat all about the marketing strategies behind Rare Beauty's success. Welcome to the show, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to chat with you. So you have a critical role at Rare Beauty and also an extensive marketing career. Can you tell us how you got your start and some of the pivotal moments that got you to where you are now? Thank you. My very first job out of college was at Macy's. I did the Macy's Buyer Training Program, and that really opened my eyes to all things retail and beauty. Uh, I always wanted to be in the beauty side of uh, the beauty buying team. Lo and behold, instead, I was placed in Christmas trim and then luggage and frames, the exact opposite of beauty. But I looked at those beauty buyers and then the beauty planners, and I was so envious of what they were able to do. Uh, But I spent some time at Macy's, learned a lot, got a great foundation, but really that wasn't sure that that was exactly what I wanted to do. Fast forward, someone talked to me about communications and PR. And during college, I had interned at Marie Claire Magazine with Hearst and sort of had this had had always had a desire to become a writer or an editor. I love storytelling. And a friend said to me, you should check out PR. It's an, it's an interesting mix of storytelling, editorial, what you love, plus the business side, the brand, bringing the brand to life. And with that, I was my first, and now we're really going back. This is like 23 years ago. I started at Victoria's Secret Beauty, but I couldn't get into their PR team, but I got into their store communications team, which at the time was uh, really just speaking with all of the, the Victoria's Secret Beauty stores around the US. Did I know that I would one day be a chief marketing officer within a beauty department? No, but was it a great opportunity to learn the beauty industry, connect with beauty industry veterans, see how the industry works, see all of the different departments, and build relationships. And so while I was doing something like clearing voicemails off of an 800 number so that stores across the country could get more love spell, (laughs) I probably didn't love that part, but man, was it a great, it was still a really great experience. I built, made a contact within the communications department, the PR department, and then was able to want, eventually a, a position opened up. So I moved from store communications to traditional communications to media communications. And then my PR career, that's where it started. Now from there, still, Katie, how did you become a CMO of a beauty brand? From there, I worked at uh, PR agencies like Weber Shandwick. That's where I built my career. That's where I learned how to think. That's how, where I learned how to storytell about brands. Working on brands like many of the Unilever portfolio brands, Chobani, Sonos, Amazon, some of these really exciting household names and learning not just how to pitch the media, but how do you take those brand messages and storytell them in order to drive a narrative, to drive to ultimately drive the client's business. And I was at Weber Shanwick 
uh, throughout my career, learned a ton and build relationships within the industry so that my first beauty job in-house was the VP of Integrated Marketing Communications for Bliss also a while ago, where I really got my first taste of what it means to be on the brand side. And at the time, this was 2010, that was sort of the beginning of social media. So starting to use Instagram, Twitter, Facebook to drive an activation, drive, connect with your consumers uh, directly. And that's when I sort of fell in love with it. From there, I've also been, uh, I was the chief marketing officer for Hourglass Cosmetics, which was acquired by Unilever Prestige. I was the general manager of Honest Beauty, part of the Honest Company. And then most recently joined Selena Gomez to help build Rare Beauty, which I joined in 2019 and we launched in 2020. Yeah. I think what's amazing is that earlier on in your career, you can get a sense of what you wanted to do and what direction you wanted to go to. So I guess my question is, what kind of advice you have for people who are working a nine to five, they want to pivot in a way, what could they do within their role to get them closer to a path that they want to be? The thing that I think about it most, the, the most looking back is there's no such thing as a linear path. There's no such thing as the perfect path. And what you will change your job in your 20s and your 30s, and you'll change direction. And it's totally normal and human because I think as you experience all of these different roles, the, the, your North Star will start to be uncovered. You'll start to figure out what you're good at. And what you'll find is what you're good at is what you like because that's when you're, you're going to get into this flow state. I remember... I remember working on a Burt's Bees pitch. I was at an agency and I remember waking up at five o'clock in the morning because I had ideas and I had to get, <laughs> this sounds so sad, but I had to get to the PowerPoint slide as soon as possible because I had these ideas in my brain of how I wanted to bring the story to life. And, and, and thankfully we eventually won the business, but I remember working on that PowerPoint. This was, geez, maybe 2007 and thinking, I never get up this early. I must really like this. Like, this is something that I like to do. I think I'm good at this. And, and that was sort of, you, you'll have these tipping points. You'll have these sort of aha moments throughout your career where you think, oh my gosh, I like what I'm doing. This is it. This is what I want to do. And then you start to figure out, okay, what does this mean? And so as what, what I would start to uncover was that it was more of the brand storytelling, the figure out the, figuring out the unique points of difference that could shape a brand, that mission, that vision, those values that you can then storytell around. And so that's eventually what led me to marketing. And, and thankfully, no, it's a non-traditional path. That's for sure. I don't have an MBA. However, to, today's marketing in 2022, 23, storytelling, I mean, you, you hear it all day long, but it's true. It's storytelling is is so key to building any brand. And so I do think uh, I have a unique background and that's sort of what I was trained in, in communications. And so once I figured that out and I kind of was realized that I was in that flow state, that's when I knew what I wanted to do. But but man, it's, it's tough to figure out. And, and I think what I would say to someone is just be an active participant in your career, especially in your early 20s, especially in those sort of first few years. You're not going to love everything you're working on, but you're, you're a, your job has a reason and you're a part of the company for a reason. And take the time to understand why. If you're a coordinator, an associate, an assistant manager position, 
What are you doing? What's, what's your role as a greater part of the team to help move the business forward? And once you see that and you start to understand your role in the context of the total company moving it forward, I think you start to think of those roles in a whole new light. And then you'll start to pay attention to those around you. What are they doing? How can I grow? And so the more that you're asking questions, paying attention to your day-to-day, and not, and yeah, you're going to have frustrating days. We all have frustrating days, especially in your early 20s and when you're starting out your career. But when you see your role in the greater context of, okay, this is what I'm learning. This is what I'm giving that company. This is what I'm getting from that company. It becomes much more rewarding and then much more fulfilling, not your fulfillment, but fulfilling as you work towards the rest of your career. And you'll start to figure it out. And maybe you're a chief creative officer. Maybe you're a chief financial officer. You don't know. You do not. You. I did not know when I was an assistant buyer at Macy's, then an assistant planner in luggage and frames, <laughs> that this is what I wanted to do. But when I look back, I can kind of see the red thread. I love that. A combination of following your interests and also your intuition. For you, what brought you and attracted you to work with Selena Gomez? Because I think to your point, you started in 2019, the brand didn't launch yet. So you're in a sense also taking a bit of a risk to enter into a brand new brand. Definitely. It certainly was a once in a lifetime opportunity. To be able to build a brand from scratch as it is, is a once in a lifetime opportunity and a unique challenge and something that really excited me. But then to be able to do it with someone as special and heartfelt and talented as Selena was a no-brainer. So, you know, I, I, I asked her the first time I met her, why do you want to start a beauty brand? And we had a long conversation around it, breaking down standards of perfection within beauty, putting forward visuals, words that were grounded in self-acceptance and self-worth. But then the thing that struck me is she said, I want to create a lane where people feel welcome. And that always struck me as something so different. I've, I've worked in beauty for a long time. I've been an undeniable beauty super fan probably since 13. I love makeup. And so I, I kind of know the ethos that brands try to communicate that they put out there. And they're, I love them all. Self-expression, artistry, empowerment. But welcome was something new. Welcome to me said, come sit with us. Which after meeting Selena and understanding she has that herself. That's the way you feel when you talk to her, when you meet this woman. I was struck by how kind, how truly kind she was and how much she makes people feel comfortable and safe and seen and heard. And then so I thought, wow, here's a founder who has a vision and an idea of something that's different, that's in the marketplace, but then that's also so authentic and true to who she is. And I know everyone uses the A word these, these days. You gotta be authentic. You got, you know, so much so that what does authenticity even mean anymore? But after hearing her words and meeting her for the first time in 2019, I got it. And I thought, oh, this is the, she is the real deal. Mm -hmm. And I think the performance, the reception is the truth to how well Rare Beauty has been. So I guess, how do you respond to someone who do comment to say the beauty industry is oversaturated with a lot of celebrity owned beauty and skincare brands? 
I think when we started it out, we don't think we didn't we never thought of ourselves as a celebrity brand. Period. The end. As Selena knew that she was not a beauty product developer, she put together assembled an incredible team. We have Joyce Kim, who's one of my now one of my great friends and an incredibly talented product developer, runs our product development team. So she and Selena work closely on developing products that can stand on their own. And I think that is incredibly important because, I don't know, marketers, we're a dime a dozen, but you gotta have great product. <laughs> I don't even remember having that in our sort of vernacular. Selena doesn't want to make a difference. She's got this incredible platform. She knows she can do something for good. And she did just that, and that was that was the point behind Rare Beauty. We also started Rare Impact, which is a division of the company that works to make a difference in the world, specifically within mental health. So we do that through content and educating our community on different elements within, within mental health. We cannot educate on mental health as a beauty brand. However, we are the conduit to trusted resources. So we created the Rare Beauty Mental Health Council, which is about... Um, 15 or so individuals within academia, nonprofit, the medical field, mental health, who help advise us and co-create content so that we can educate our community. So that's something else that we can do. We connect our community at a time when they say Gen Z is the loneliest generation. We do things like rare chats where during the pandemic when we were quarantined, we were connecting over uh, Zoom chats with our community, which was incredible. So if we were able to make two friends amongst our community, that in my mind was powerful. And then we've started to do these events in real life and they're just moving to me. I, I love them. And then finally, we are also, we created the Rare Impact Fund. So a percentage of sales from Rare Beauty products goes to the fund, which helps to raise money for, um, to grant mental health services to underserved communities. So what Selena always said is this is so much more than a beauty brand. And I truly believe that it is. And that I'd like to think that that is our point of difference. It's the bridge building that I think is what's at the forefront. And to your point, I love the fact that your response is, we are not a celebrity brand. I mean, we have a celebrity founder, which, yeah, of course, that, that she has an audience with her celebrity. This brand is not because she's a celebrity. This brand is because she wanted to make a difference. The aspect of founders who are expanding for the first time, who are building a team, what advice do you have for them who are looking for a chief marketing officer? What should they be looking for when they are expanding their team and building out a marketing arm of the business? Gosh, that's a, that's a good question. Because there's so many different types of marketing. There's so many different types of marketers with different backgrounds. And it's, it's really what does the business need? What is the complement to the founder? The chief marketing officer's job is to understand the founder's story, the founder's why, understand their vision and bring it to life. So I, d I don't know if that could be any sort of background. I put, I put it back on the founder to say, who is going to help you articulate your vision and can they bring it to life the right way? If you have massive budgets and you can do a big program, marketing program, perhaps that's a different person that's maybe grounded a little bit more in performance marketing. If you don't, maybe it's someone who's grounded a little bit more in earned in communications or influencer marketing. But the most important thing when trying, if you are a, an entrepreneur or a founder and you want to find your marketing partner, 
This person has to understand your vision and be able to bring your vision to life for your target audience, for your community. Because as a founder, you're going to be in the, in the weeds and doing so much more. You know, There's so many things you have to do as an entrepreneur and a founder that you can't be stuck driving the marketing machine the whole time. However, it has to always come back to the founder and the entrepreneur and the business because that's the why. Getting that better understanding of the founder and being a complementary component to the team, for sure. I'm chatting with Katie Welsh, the Chief Marketing Officer at Rare Beauty. So I'm sure all of our audience is curious to know, what is the current marketing mix that Rare Beauty has? A rough breakdown of what areas of marketing your team is participating in. A lot of owned and earned. We spend a lot of time on our own channels. We are a content machine. We are creating our own social media content and we are engaging in social a lot, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and that makes a, that makes a difference. We have a really powerful community and, and they mean so much to us. So maybe even more than other brands, I think we spend a lot of time on our own channels. I don't know if other industries activate to the level that beauty does within the creator community. I'm such a massive fan of beauty creators or anyone who wants to talk about beauty who loves makeup as a vehicle for self-expression, as a, as a passion point, because that's so much of what I am that I just love it. So we do a lot with beauty creators. We have a lot of great relationships with beauty creators and I think that's who's driving a lot of the conversation around trends and around application and tutorials. And so for a beauty brand, that's really important to be engaged in, in those conversations. And then to round it out, we do do paid marketing. Uh, we're still a startup. It's not huge, but we'll do some paid social, web, potential Facebook, Instagram, some TikTok, but it's not huge, to be honest. Uh, we really lean on our own channels and our and creator channels and PR a lot. I think the content that Rare Beauty creates is more and beyond marketing campaigns. It's, to your point, the true storytelling. So what kind of advice do you have for other entrepreneurs who wants to get into this storytelling mindset when they're trying to build a name for their business? There's two ways you can approach it. One is... What's your story? How are you pushing it out there? But you can only push it so much. You have, you know, whether you have a following, you still have to build that following. So really understanding your why. Why does your company exist? What are your mission, vision, values? What problem are you solving? Whatever it is for for your product, um, understanding it, and then understanding sort of how that can come to life on the different social platforms. And now, how do you engage in existing conversations? So what is that subculture, perhaps, that your brand can intersect? What is that? How can you how can you engage with an existing conversation? Whether it's a trend, whether it's a fan base, whether it's a I was just um, listening to this incredible uh, marketer the other day talk about the clean talk and the subculture of of clean talk hashtag clean talk on TikTok. So if you are Lysol or Dawn, like, great. How do you engage in that? That conversation is happening. And so here you could have a traditional marketer who's like, oh, that TikTok is just for dancing. <laughs> Lo and behold, there is a whole community of people who are obsessed with cleaning. And wouldn't you want them to use your Dawn dish soap or what have you in some of these TikToks? And so that is kind of in that same vein. So we have, there's a huge community of beauty lovers on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, et cetera, on YouTube. 
So we try and engage in that community. And so I would say if you're trying to storytell about your brand, understand your brand's why, your point of difference, why you are who you are as a brand. And then what are those conversations that you can intersect with? What are those subcultures that you can engage with so that you can sort of penetrate that that culture, that pop culture moment? Because as much as you push out your own brand, it's tough. You, you've got to be able to have that two-way conversation. So how do you find your target audience? And, and what are ways that you can then get in there? And in my mind, the best way is creativity. So your marketer, I, I appreciate marketers who are, who are creative and curious and not creative in a way that they can then go create a commercial. I can't do that. But I can have a creative mind of, okay, this is the angle that we can enter that conversation. And speaking to that community building, as well as different niches on TikTok, TikTok is a big part of Rare Beauty's success. So many TikToks of people saying how pigmented Rare Beauty's blushes are. So how do you approach influencer marketing? How do you select different people that you're reaching out to? We do mailers. We do seedings. You can see them on YouTube, on TikTok, on Instagram. Those who get them are their fans of existing fans of the brand, existing, whether they're sort of shared values, shared mission, perhaps they've talked about mental health, perhaps they're big beauty fans, perhaps they're Selena Gomez fans. There's any number of sort of criteria and we've gotten to know them. I think what's cool in in the last two years, we've really gotten to know the people behind the handle and and built relationships with them. And, And that's really what's been so special about this brand is that we've whether it's our community, whether it's creators, that we we try to get to know the people behind the photo. That it's not just about, oh, here's someone who's got a million followers. Nah, who's do, who's that person, and uh, do they sort of align with our brand values? And that's very, very important. To round out this marketing segment, um, I do want to ask, what are some really big marketing moments or successful campaigns that you feel like really helped to scale Rare Beauty and just some fun behind the scenes stories of some of the projects that you're really proud of? This past summer, we launched our Kind Words Matte Lipstick Collection. And the tagline sort of was, use kind words, it's as easy as using a lipstick. We had beautiful visuals that were striking, and they were edgy in a way that Rare Beauty is edgy, I thought, that Rare Beauty could do edgy. And they really, they broke through, because we are a global brand. We're, we're sold at Sephora's around the world, in addition to our own website. So we have a global consumer. And so these visuals had to... Uh, speak for themselves, really, because it's because they they there's so many different languages um, of our, of our community, and I think these visuals did that. So we needed to activate beyond just the visuals, and with that, we went on a world tour, and we took with Selena, our founder, and that was an incredibly exciting moment to to be in cities like Paris and Milan, and to to have her in these cities, and then be able to meet with community, as well as creators, as well as beauty advisors combined with these visuals. So to be able to make that kind words connection in person with all these people, then to be able to see these kind words visuals all over the globe, and then to see how they lived on our own website and in our social channels to sort of see all of this come to life in person was just about as exciting as the launch, which I guess I could say, or I should say, if I were to answer your question again. 
the building of Rare Beauty and the launch of it was the most exciting. I mean, here we didn't know, no one, no one knew, that we were going to be doing everything from our kitchen table. And so we built a brand from our kitchen table. And you think, you know, you think you're starting on a brand, you have a website, you got you need a ton of assets. And you think, okay, I've got Selena Gomez as founder. I'm going to have to do big photo shoots. That's what she's used to. And so we were planning out, I think I had five massive photo shoots planned out. We had one shoot in January and the rest were all canceled. And so at that shoot in January of 2020, we captured content that was our, our launch brand film. Uh, we captured some of our key visuals for launch. We got our, our hero visual of Selena. But the rest, <laughs> all of the product tutorials, all of the product shots, all of the shade swatching, anything, we didn't get it. So we had to do all of it virtually. We did a 48-person foundation and concealer shoot virtually. We cast models with an iPhone. Then Selena did Facebook and Instagram to, and YouTube tutorials and PDP, our product page tutorials with her iPhone duct taped to her bathroom mirror. And we built a brand via an iPhone basically because we had to, and then it launched in uh, September of 2020. Wow. It's really a testament to the team, I think. It's one of the challenges that so rare and so limited to other businesses had to experience because you did have to go through launch during such a unique time. I do want to zoom in on that part a bit because you do have these big components to Rare Beauty where you have great retail relationships and you also have this D2C arm. So how do you ensure that marketing, communication, visual pieces all feel cohesive regardless of where you interact with Rare Beauty? I think we, we work so closely with our creative team and with our copy team and our brand marketing team, we all just, I make it seem like there's tens of thousands of us. No, <laughs> there's like one of each, but we all work so closely together. And, and, and I think Sephora is such a good partner in that they let you keep your brand vision, your brand voice, your brand visuals, that wherever the, our, our, our target audience is along the sort of journey, consumer journey, that this person sees the same message. It's consistency in visuals, it's consistency in voice, and it's the consistency of, of paying attention to what you're putting out there. And just taking that extra step to make sure your calendars are aligned. Sephora is sending out an email, when is our launch? Like your cadence, the cadence of your go-to-market schedule has to be aligned, the cadence of your social has to be aligned, and then you, the, what, you, what you're putting out there, your look, feel, tone, and manner, all has to be aligned. So the team has recently celebrated your second birthday, and you've also expanded internationally over a year ago. Do you have any tips for brands who are looking to expand internationally and what kind of things they need to be aware of from a marketing perspective when they're trying to enter new markets? The more that you can understand your target audience and their marketing and sort of what grabs their attention by market, the better you will be. I think there are some things that are consistent. I think some trends start and they reach the globe. We, we live in a borderless world with social, but that's not always, always the case. There will be times when you have to really understand whether it's 
Obviously, this goes without saying, the language, translation, but also what things may not work. Perhaps TikTok is not as popular. Perhaps Instagram is not as popular, but what are the things that are popular? Who are the people that are driving those conversations within your cult subculture that your brand belongs to? Who are those people who are driving those conversations? How are they talking? What are they, where are they showing up? How can you engage with them? What are the conversations that they're happening? I think the more that you can sort of understand the community that you're entering, the better off your brand will be. For new and aspiring entrepreneurs, they are building a brand perhaps with limited budget. So what do you think is areas that they should invest in that will give them the most exposure for the business that they're trying to build? I hate to reference the video that everyone always references, (laughs) but you think about Mike Dubin and Dollar Shave Club and, and when he did that video back in the day. And then today, maybe it wouldn't be a YouTube video that would break through, but a TikTok could break through. You know, whatever the the vehicle of the moment, the medium of the moment is, how can you how can you start a conversation? I think what's so cool is that we have this two-way conversation, the ability to, to engage and put content out there without a budget. It's not like 30 years ago when you had to have you had to run an ad on the Today Show and in a newspaper and then on out of home and then do a direct mail piece. You don't have to do that. But if you can be creative and come up with a way to insert yourself into it, either an existing conversation or grab people's attention, that's unique to your brand, that still tells your brand story. I mean, I think that's what was so genius about that video back in the day is that it still told the brand story and it got people talking. That, in my mind, is always a great, how do you do that? And creative doesn't mean comedy. Creative could be in a way that is it through hearts and minds? Is it through laughter? Is it through humor? I don't know. It depends on your brand. What's amazing about this time in history is that there is an accessibility to those platforms. And as long as, to your point, being creative, there is a chance for you to break through for your brand. And what I love is the fact that you're also using these channels like TikTok to speak to your followers and share career advice. And they're very motivational as well. So what inspires you to start sharing about your career journey with your followers? Thank you for noticing that. So I I started my own personal TikTok because we were building the Rare Beauty team and I realized I didn't really have a network of, of people who were just starting out their career, people to whom I could potentially tap. But then also it really got me thinking about how did I get started in beauty? And that if you don't know someone, how do you, how do you find those jobs? And I, I grew up in Missouri. I, I'm not from New York or LA, sort of these beauty corporate hubs. I met one person when I was in college in Ohio who worked at Estee Lauder and that opened my eyes that that was a career path. And now even so, I think it's cool. Like, I I don't think people realize how many different career paths they are in the beauty industry. If that's something that you're interested in, that I thought this could be an interesting way to, to educate or inspire or inform or just give back. Like this one woman, had I not met her, I don't think I'd be where I am today because I wouldn't even know that this existed. So I wanted to do the same for someone else. And at the same time, you know, my attention was going to the TikTok app. It was it was in the days of the renegade dance. Was I dancing? And oh, heck no. <laughs> but I was watching it and I was like, this is unbelievable. And I loved the creativity and I loved the way people were editing things. And I just, it was just fun. And I thought this is going to be a big thing. I got to figure out how we can use this for rare beauty. And I, I have always believed that you have to try something to, to figure it out. 
So I thought, all right, <laughs> let's try to make it. Let's try to make a video. I don't know. I guess I was just fearless, and I just started creating content about to helping people find their career path in beauty, and then it evolved to career advice, interview advice, marketing advice, all sorts of stuff. And it's fun, and I've and I really like the people that I've connected with and met and helped. And there have been, I've done Zoom one-on-one sessions where I've reviewed people's resume, helped them prep for an interview. And and people have found, and I get the most amazing DMs. Like, Katie, I watched your videos and I got a new job. It's great. I love it. I love the TikTok community because of it. I think there's really some wonderful beauty fans and that there's a really exciting career community of people who are interested in career. And it's back to what we were talking about earlier of these subcultures. And you're adding such valuable resource to that career community. So thank you. We do have to round out the interview by asking you what rare beauty product you cannot live without. Our mascara. Perfect Strokes Universal Volumizing Mascara. Oh, awesome. Hands down. Can't leave the house without putting it on. It is, and I am a junk mascara junkie. It is my favorite product. It's magical. Trust me. That's not even the marketer speaking. That is just the Katie Welch beauty junkie speaking. (laughs) And are there any other new initiatives or projects at Rare Beauty that you can share with us? Yeah, we just launched our Make a Rare Impact campaign for uh, World Mental Health Day on October 10th. Um, With that, that is encouraging people to make a rare impact and donate to our fund as little as one dollar and the rare impact so that we can continue to raise funds for mental health services for underserved communities within mental health as well as we launched a new lipstick shade on rarebeauty.com exclusive to rarebeauty.com the shade is called limitless and a hundred percent of sales will go to the rare impact fund with this product wow how amazing well thank you so much for being here today katie thank you so much for having me this is fun Awesome. That's Katie Welsh from Rare Beauty. I'm Shuang Esser Shan, and I'll catch you next time on Shopify Masters. <laughs>